Hey, welcome. It is time for another episode of the Geek Roulette Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Spriegel. I am the other host, John Lundquist. If he sounds very weird, it's because his internet's not coming through well, so he'll be really garbled and stuff as if like he was, I don't know, on like some bad internet back in 2002. Yeah, just ignore me, folks, like usual. It's, you know, par for the course, but hopefully we'll get you some good quality entertainment in the little tiny bits you can hear me. Yeah, here's hoping. Hope in one hand, crap in the other. See what fills up first. Yes, probably the crap. Most likely. if I got to say, if you're ever in a situation where hope fills up more than crap, then what? What's going on there? Pretty much. Some abstract nonsense. So, been a while. Uh, that's just how our lives have been now lately. I, I, every yeah. podcast that's what we're going to do, like, oh, we're so busy. <sighs> and it's true. I mean, it is, summer, it is summertime, you know. So, so there's that. I'll, that's just it. Like, oh, let's go and do some vacation stuff. Now, vacations are lame. I just rather, like, if somebody said, hey, if you had a week to do a vacation, what would you do? I would just sit in my media room and just do nothing. I play video games. Yeah, video games, listen to music, watch some things. I don't want to go yes. anywhere. Going anywhere sucks. Yeah, we haven't really done anything. We've even only been up to the cabin once this summer so far. So, I mean, it's, it has not been a very active summer. I, I did finally beat Breath of the Wild the other day for everybody who's been on that, you know, following that storyline for the last, like, three or four months, however long I've been playing it for. Oh, is that still a thing? So, that is still a thing. I mean, not anymore because I beat it, but I might go back in and do some of that extra stuff that they threw in there. But, you know, I, I, I murdered Calamity Ganon quite well. Well, good for you, Kit Mueller. Yes, indeed. Well, this episode, we're going to discuss the new Thor Love and Thunder movie that came out about a week ago or so. We'll say, hey guys, what do we like about it? What do we not like about it? And John and I have not discussed any of this beforehand, so we'll be curious to see what each other says. But indeed, before we get into that, hey, still got social media, still got Twitter, Facebook at Geek Roulette. And review us on, yeah. on something. I'm just, yeah, just not feeling it now. Just not feeling it. We got to get yeah. ourselves in the mood. I know what can help us get in the mood, John. Let's do whiskey. this. No, yeah, whiskey. That's good. But let's do recommendations right now where we recommend something that we like. And let's see if John picks up some picks something that's at least within the past few months that's more current, not some like old like pamphlet he read like from like eight years ago. No, I am not going to recommend Chick Tracks. Those are those are long gone. Um, I am going to recommend. Well, actually, technically, I recommend three things. One's going to be pretty brief, though, because just you recommended one. It previously. We, we're going to be what? recording more episodes. Just do one. Why do you have to do three? Damn it! You're wasting okay, all do, your recommendations. I'll do, I'll do two. I'll do two. One that you have previously recommended, oh. Dicey Dungeons, is finally out for iOS. Apple devices, if you have those and have been waiting for that, I actually downloaded it on Switch a couple weeks ago, and then found out, hey, it's coming out on apple in like a week so um so that's good stuff but you know refer to mike's review of that from whenever the hell that was dicey dungeons ios good stuff um i am going to recommend a board game that's technically a couple years old but you know board games are evergreens they're good all the time i'm going to recommend a game called sagrada it is a dice game you build a you basically roll dice you build stained glass window type stuff going on it's a cool fun game um you draft dice, you put them on your board. There are certain rules as to how you can put them on your board. It's an easy one to pick up. 
Um, easy one to learn, easy one to teach, and fun. There's a lot of stuff going on. There are two expansions, or actually three expansions for it. One of them is a five to six player expansion. That also gives you a couple other things to do, so you're not just buying it for extra people, which is something we did because we often have extra people playing games. And there's two other ones which I have not played. So, um, so yeah, Sagrada is a excellent board game if it is something you are looking to do. So, yeah, go check out Sagrada. Yeah, check out Neil Sakata and his wonderful music. Hell yes, probably that too. You don't even know who Neil Sakata is, do you? I don't think I do. The name sounds vaguely familiar, but like it's not something I could. Do. Oh yeah, he's the this guy. Yeah, if you heard the song, you're like, oh that guy. Yeah, I totally know who that guy is. But uh, my recommendation, one thing that came out uh, the past month or so, and it's on multiple platforms. It's a good old uh, sort of a updated classic remake of the old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle arcade game called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Shredder's Revenge. Kind of a updated little version of let's say the classic uh, four-player arcade game that everybody played back in like the early 90s or even played it on their consoles and they updated it uh they've actually have a total of six or seven characters depending if you can unlock one where you can now even play as uh splinter and april o'neill and also casey jones but you have to unlock it too but uh it's just a nice fun game uh, the other thing I like about it, too, is like uh, if you're playing on, let's say, home consoles, you can play local and have up to several people at the same time, which is also nice. That's kind of a lost touch that you don't really get in gaming systems anymore, is being able to have like a lot of people play together at the same time. But it's like kind of that nice old beat-em-up, slash-em-up kind of game and everything where you're just punching and hacking your way through things. I was playing with my kids, and they enjoyed it. So Teenage Mutant Turtles Shredder's Revenge. L yes. All right. Arbitrary list time. Uh, keeping in theme with the uh, Marvel, uh, you know, you know, stories we're going to be talking about a little bit later. Uh, a thought crossed my mind, and this is what I decided to make the arbitrary list for. It is going to be the top three underrated or underutilized characters currently in the MCU. And the qualification is characters that you know have been in the mcu but don't get used enough or aren't used right for what their impact could be in the mcu so john would you like me to start off just uh maybe you know help set the tone since i came up with this topic sure go for it uh the the first one i'm going to choose in terms of mcu characters that i feel really should be used more is uh maria hill uh Kobe Smothers portrays Maria Hill in the MCU. In the comics, she's a very important character. I think it's kind of weird that she's not used more, especially, you know, you've, last time I think we saw her was what? Uh, Spider-Man, uh, No Way, no, not No Way Home, Far From Home, I think is the last time we saw her used in the MCU. And again, you know, I get it that S.H.I.E.L.D.'s not around anymore, but she still is technically, I guess, Nick Fury's, I'd say left-hand person. I don't like people saying right-hand people just because I'm left-handed. So left-hand person. But I feel she could be utilized a lot more in so many different like ways as a liaison or at least somebody to maybe step up and fill that fill up that uh, Phil Coulson role that was in the early, you know, first few movies of the MCU where you have kind of a like an everyday character that's there to help bridge the gap in terms of world itself. So I would say Maria Hill. It's a good call. Um, 
I am going to go for my first one. Somebody who we who we barely saw, but I remember when they were first introduced, I thought they were going to have a much larger impact than they did. Um, and that is Baron Struker from Hydra. Um, he's another one, kind of like you said with Maria Hill in the comics. He's a pretty big deal. He's kind of the head of Hydra um, and just gets in everybody's hair all the time. He's he's the big bad guy for Hydra. I mean, so they introduced him, I think, in the post credit scene for which one was that? I forget. One of the movies. Well, he's in Civil War, and then after Civil War, he was in uh, The Falcon and Captain America. No, he gets killed in... You're thinking somebody else. Baron oh, no, no. The one he... he was... You're right. He, I'm sorry. I'm thinking somebody entirely as Baron... I'm thinking about Helmet Zero. No, he was yes. uh, in the post credit scene for... Uh, it was... Was it the original Captain America? No. No, I want to say it was the Winter... Wasn't it Winter Soldier? Because it the, could be, but he, it, it was the one that introduced Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Right. Um, and that was the one before uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. Again, I still yeah. want to think it was Winter Soldier. It could have been. Um, but either way, he was introduced there, and I remember like, ooh, it's Baron Von Strucker. He's going to be, you know, now that Red Skull's dead, he's going to be the new big bad for Hydra, since Hydra's clearly a thing. Um, you know, and they gave us Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver at the same time. But then he died pretty quick, I think, into Age of Ultron somewhere in there. And he, or no, he he lives in that, and he dies, I think, in the beginning of... No, he dies in there. Civil War, doesn't he? No, because Ultron, Ultron kills oh, yeah, him in Age of Ultron. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he just, he kind of, he was there for five minutes and then he was gone and it was like, oh, here's this character that could have been awesome and could have actually been kind of a threat, you know, almost like Helmut Zemo was. But uh, but yeah, just didn't get anything from him and now he's dead and probably never coming back. So, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, use the multiverse to bring him back? You could. I mean, that's going to be the, the easy out for bringing pretty much anybody back now. Yeah. Do you have a bad case of death? Multiverse. Oh, uh, yeah, it'll cure everything. Um, my second character is a more recent character in the past, let's say, you know, back quarter of most of the Marvel MCU movies made. They were in the most recent Marvel MCU movie. If there was a character I feel it has been very horribly underutilized, I almost want to say it's Valkyrie. Just because, you know, she seemed like to have a much bigger impact when we saw her in Thor Ragnarok. But then after that, she kind of disappeared because in Infinity War, you really didn't see her at all. Like when, you know, the whole ship was blown up by Thanos. And you did see her like, you know, in Endgame where she was in there in the final battle itself. So you're thinking, all right, there's a new Thor movie coming out. And early criticism of this movie itself she really doesn't do anything in the movie. Here's a person that apparently is supposed to be in charge of new Asgard and, you know, is supposed to be like this character of, you know, great importance. You really don't feel it at all in that movie at all. I, I just kind of feel that she's just kind of a background character that's kind of just there for the most part. You almost kind of wish she had much more going for her, especially since she does seem to be a head figure, not only just in Asgard, but also in other relations everywhere else. So uh, I, I feel Valkyrie very underutilized. Yeah, you're not wrong, and I did think about putting her on my list. Um, I ended up going a slightly different way, though, with uh, with a couple of Thor characters myself. I went with uh, Lady Sif and the Warriors 3. Um, Warriors 3 were just kind of unceremoniously killed off in, what was that? Was that Ragnarok they were killed in? Yep. 
Yeah. Um, they were killed off there, and Lady Sif was killed, in, or not killed, but she was kind of just kind of got just shuffled it back. I think I, if I remember right, she wasn't available for a lot of filming for uh, Ragnarok, so that's why she wasn't there. But even in uh, Love and Thunder, she kind of has just a brief cameo at best. Um, but I feel like instead of having, you know, Korg and Meek and all these other guys, you know, that you could have had the Warriors 3. I mean, there's some back backstory there they could have had. I think you would have had a lot more fun with them. Um, I mean, Korg's fine, but he gets kind of old and, you know, kind of tired after a while, at least for me. Um, but, yeah, I feel like the Warriors 3 would have been some great, you know, you could have had some nice action scenes with them. You know, Lady Sif, same thing. She's a you know, excellent warrior on her own part, so... You know, and they, they all got, you know, kind of shuffled off either to the background or just flat out killed without any, you know, without a decent fight to go out in. So, yeah, Lady Sif and the Warriors 3. Yeah, we can talk about that more later. Uh, my last one, I'm going to do a John style cheat where it's not one, but it's two characters. Uh, the two characters. My, my last one is two. Let's see if it's the same two. All right. I feel that despite the fact that these characters have taken over a mantle of someone that was very essential to the MCU. And I feel that even though they had their own series, really, where's uh, where's Bucky and uh, Sam Wilson? Honestly, I feel like since they had their you know Disney Plus series last year, there's just been zero mention of them. And I think part of it is, is and we can touch again on this later, there's a weird ambiguity to like what Phase 4 actually is. I feel like there's things that are being done in the TV series that are definitely moving things forward much better than I feel the movies ever have been. But here you have a character that has taken over the mantle of Captain America and Sam Wilson. And then, you know, you still have Bucky, the Winter Soldier, or however you want to refer to him. And they're both there, but nothing, none to be seen. And honestly, I don't know if we will see them anytime soon either within, let's say, you know, in the next few offerings that Marvel has. Because when you think about it, Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be coming up, you know, within the next year or so. You look at some of the other, you know, things out there. I I don't know when you're going to see them next. So I feel that really for characters that could be the cornerstone of a new Avengers team, or at least anything from an Earth standpoint, uh, they're they're just not there. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, I mean, they've announced you know another Captain America movie with Sam as the lead, but I mean that's like you said, that's probably not for another couple years off or so. Um, and like you again, like you said, I don't think there's anything coming up that they might show up in. Um, but no, those were not the two I was thinking. Although when you mentioned them being kind of the center of some stuff, I thought maybe you might. I went with uh, <clears throat> Vision slash Ultron for mine. Um, I mean, technically they're the same person since you know Ultron was supposed to be Vision in the, his origin. Um, Vision was kind of the main one here. I was thinking because I mean he gets introduced in Age of Ultron. Um, He's in Civil War, and then he's kind of in Infinity War, and then that's about it, really. You know, I mean, obviously he's in uh, WandaVision, but, you know, technically that's not him if you want to get, you know, get real technical. But I just feel like for as big of a character as he ended up being, he kind of went from being introduced in Age of Ultron, you know, to being, you know, just killed in Infinity War pretty quick. And then obviously the center of you know, WandaVision, but I feel like there's just a lot more they could do with him. Um, and maybe I think that's probably just a victim of timing, the way the movies get planned out and things happen that it just, you know, by the time they introduced him and everything else happened, there just wasn't really a whole lot. I just, I remember even seeing Infinity War when him and Wanda were shacked up together, you know, it seemed kind of a 
drastic change, like, you know, kind of out of left field a little bit. Um, and Ultron the same way. I feel like Ultron kind of got short shrift in his movie. Like, he didn't seem like, you know, he got the, the credit he should have deserved. He's definitely one of Avengers' biggest bad guys. I just I don't know, didn't feel like the, the threat was, didn't feel quite as real in that one. Um, you know, and I feel like he should have gotten a better better treatment than he got there. So, so yeah. So, two things. My opinions. One, I like Paul Bettencourt. I think he's good at Vision. But Vision bores the piss out of me. He bores the piss out of me in the comics. And in the movies, he's fine in like a small sort of like amount of dose. But after a while, I'm like, all right, I have enough enough vision. And Ultron, I hate Ultron. I feel Ultron, again, just kind of a weird, boring tripe of like, hey, they've had over 30 iterations of Ultron in the comics. And after a while, you just get bored of it. So those two, they can stay underutilized. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I said so. Screw them. Mm-hmm. Well, let's uh let's talk Love and Thunder. So this movie, uh the sequel to Ragnarok, which came out about almost four years ago or so, uh takes place after the events of Endgame and you know, it's still left ambiguous where it fits in some of the other timeline stuff, but uh ultimately what you have is, you know, Thor getting back in shape and the progression of new Asgard and you know Again, I think it gets in a weird place. I think part of it is is that Thor still depressed because his hammer's broken, and then it turns out somebody reassembles a hammer, but it turns out to be, hey, it's Jane Foster who's the new Thor, but it's only staving off the debilitating effects of cancer that she's dealing with. And then there's also the plot of the god killer, uh, Gore, who's going around killing gods. Although, quick criticism, are you really a god killer if you've only killed maybe one, let maybe two gods on screen? Can you really call yourself a god killer? Yeah, I mean, and that was going to be when, you know, when we got to, like, complaints. I mean, that's kind of what my big gripe is this one, is we don't really get to see the god butcher butchering a whole lot of gods, aside from, like, his intro scene. It kind of gets relegated to that one part where Thor is just watching a bunch of different, oh, my God, look at that, but it's just little quick one-second, two-second flashes of stuff, and, you know, like, that would have been one thing that would have been awesome, you know, like, during that scene where they're in the, the city of the gods whatever it was called like you know if gore had come storming in there and just started massacring people would have been you know pretty damn awesome and would have made for a cool action scene but you know but no apparently we just get to see him kill some weak little mamby pamby god in the beginning and, and that's about it right and his whole plot is he's trying to find a key to get to eternity so he gets a magical wish and everybody implies and assumes that his wish is going to be that he's going to kill all the gods and Along the way, you have Thor and his relationship with Jane and dealing with the terms of her cancer and then his weird affair with his, like, you know, hammer and Stormbringer. And I I would say this. It's been a week since I last watched the movie. I'll get this right out of the way in the front. When I watched the movie, I thought it was okay. I think it was one of those nice kind of comfort movies where you see a lot of the things that you kind of like. And it's kind of a nice, safe movie. You watch like, oh, yeah, that's kind of funny. And I would say that's not a bad thing. I would say that this movie would probably fall more into like the middle pack of all the MC movies out there. I wouldn't call it bad. I wouldn't call it good. But as a week has gone on, I kind of sit there and think about just there is a lot of, I think, just inane kind of aspects or elements to this movie. I felt it could have been a lot tighter and there was just a lot of I think the tone was kind of all over the place. And I kind of also just feel that. 
uh, what's the best way to put it? I, I don't know what, I guess, the overall arcing plot of the movie is, I guess, is maybe one thing I'll say. And I'll, I'll turn it over to you. What were your initial thoughts or maybe even current thoughts on the movie? No, I think very similar. I probably liked it a little bit more than you. I mean, definitely not as much as I like, like Multiverse of Madness or No Way Home. Um, you know, I, I would say it's good, but it's not great. Like, it's, you know, it's it's fine, which I mean, so, you know, but when you say it's fine, kind of, you know, you're kind of damning it with faint praise. Um, it's just, it's, and, you know, we, we'll probably get into this more when we talk about, like, a Marvel Phase 4. Like, it's just, it's a... It's a it's an Avengers movie, basically. I mean, it's a Marvel movie, essentially. I mean, it's not it's not really tying into any of the big overarching plots. It's kind of just a Thor adventure story, which there's nothing wrong with. I mean, it's fine. Um, and I don't know. And that's kind of you know begs the question: like, do we need these movies now at this point to be part of a bigger picture and have these big, huge events happen? Or you know, I mean, when we get a you know, I mean, cause there wasn't anything necessarily inherently wrong with it. You know, I mean, I kind of feel like I need to watch you know maybe at least one more time to get a good. Uh, good grasp i mean there's a lot obviously a lot of stuff in there about relationships and whatnot between you know with thor and his hammer and his axe and with jane foster and everything like that but uh um but it was good i mean it's definitely worth going to see you know see it in the theaters go check it out but uh but it's not like i agree i agree with you it's probably more you know towards the middle of the pack for marvel movies for me as well you know maybe maybe upper middle if you want to call it that but um but yeah it's you know worth checking out but not one you're probably going to be like it's not gonna be your favorite I'm, I'm guessing for most people i think where some of my you know thoughts now that more time has passed and kind of how i look at it is this is that i think the movie there's times in the movie where it leans very heavy into certain humor aspects almost to the point where it's detracting from the movie where it's almost like too over the top in some ways like uh they use an example like in the movie beginning where like Thor is like, you know, searching all over for like the damage of that the, you know, Gore has done. He come and comes across Lady Sif who got hurt horribly in the battle. And then, you know, here's a point where you can convey all this impact and weight. And it gets thrown off by that joke about, you know, the whole thing of like, oh, but you didn't die in the battlefield, so you don't get to go Valhalla. I'm like, and you know, her reaction to them, like, okay, that just seemed kind of Again, it takes you out of it because it's trying too hard to be funny in a point where, hey, maybe you're trying to put some levity in there. And maybe if it would have had a payoff, maybe if like in the end of the movie when Jane like goes to like Valhalla and sees Heimdall, maybe if you just saw like Sif's arm there, hey, then that would have been a great callback to that. But instead, you know, it's just one of those like one of several moments in the movie where like they just try to put too much levity into a movie where, again, I don't know where the tone's supposed to be. You have a movie where, like, the stakes should seem a lot higher, where you have a character that wants to kill all the gods. But the whole time, it's kind of punctuated with all these weird jokey joke kind of moments in there that seems really off. I don't know what to think about uh, Russell Crowe's Zeus, because, again, it just it goes into that weird almost parody kind of thing at this point, where it's just... It's hard to gauge, like, where where am I supposed, when am I supposed to feel serious about it, when am I not? Hey, Jane's got cancer, it's a really sad thing, but then, hey, we're going to throw a joke in there, and it kind of derails it. So I don't know if that's how you felt or not with that. A little bit, I suppose. Now, you know, hearing you talk about it, I mean, it almost makes you think, like, as much as I like Taika Waititi, you know, pretty much everything I've seen of his that he's done, like, you know, was he maybe not the director to handle the story? You know, do you want somebody who was going to maybe make a more grim you know, gore the god butcher type thing and, you know, maybe not throw as much, you know, I mean, because Taika Waititi is great, but I mean, this, you know, this definitely has his fingerprints all over it, but I think 
you know, going back to what you said, maybe that's the problem is it's got a few too many jokes in there. It's a little too much, you know, not quite taking itself as seriously as you want it to at times. Um, you know, like I thought it was kind of weird too when like Stormbringer would come around, you know, like was just floating, almost like it was a sentient thing. Like, you know, like Thor would say something that would kind of float into screen like it was listening to him. And it just, which I mean, they've always kind of implied that like Mjolnir and whatnot have kind of had, have this underlying thing. But I mean, almost making it a whole separate character, I think was taking it a little bit too far. But uh, yeah, I mean, tone was definitely kind of an issue where the cancer thing didn't really get taken super seriously almost until the end of it where, you know, it's like, you know, hey, you're in Valhalla now and, you know, whatever. But the rest of it was kind of, you know, you weren't quite sure where to go with it. Yeah, like you said. Well, and I, I don't want to sit there and it's like, oh, man, I hate this movie. As I said, it's a comfort movie where in the sense that, yeah, when a joke did land well, then yeah, it was pretty funny, and there were those moments. Honestly, if I had to say who I felt the MVP of this movie is, it's Christian Bale. Christian Bale, I think, was just phenomenal in his role, and that's just because he knows how to lose himself completely in the role and just sell it beyond belief. So it looks like he's actually just having a legitimate amount of fun just being a bad guy in the movie itself. That being said, John, why did he kidnap all those kids? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the obvious answer is to to lure out Thor and to get Stormbringer where he needed to go. But I mean, again, it didn't seem like there was any sort of payoff from like taking all the kids. You could have taken like two or three kids, and hey, that yeah. maybe would have been they, enough. Take Heimdall's son and a couple other ones, and yeah. Jen had a my wife Jen House had asked me because we were talking about like Heimdall's son. I'm like, he, Heimdall's never had a son. To my knowledge, she's like. Okay, I get it. Comic book, comic book, comic book. Because, you know, it's like, in the comics, quite simply. But, I mean, like, I don't think I've ever recalled it. I had to look it up, and, yeah, that's the first time there's ever been an appearance or any mention of Heimdall having a kid, which, again, seems sort of weird when they said Heimdall had a kid. And at some point, you see his mother, and I'm like, well, wait, so Heimdall had a wife and a kid, and none of that's ever been alluded to before. And then it got me kind of thinking where at least in my head it's felt amusing that Heimdall was like maybe like the most distant, negligent father where he, like in the old days he was always just sitting there watching over everything. And meanwhile, his wife and kid are at home and he's still watching them because he can watch them but never interacts with them. So I can't dad watch over us in person, mom. Well, he's got a very important job now, so... But I mean, that, that I think that was one of the weird, non, like some of the nonsensical aspects of the plot where like, hey, he kidnaps all the kids. I, I just didn't see the payoff except the end where again, like a gag of like, Hey, look, we got, gave them all Thor powers and that little girl's got a doll and she's like killing everybody with the doll. Again, it's just hard to take it very seriously. I think sometimes when it was just going over the top on some things. Yeah. It's almost like it, you know, maybe could have gotten another couple passes over like in the writer's room or where, you know, or however these things go, some script rewrites or something. I, I almost wonder if that's the problem. Look at it. I almost wonder if that's the problem or they had the script and in the writer's room after the script was written, they were going through like a whole bunch of punch up or like, Hey, what if we have this joke right here? Like, yeah, let's put it in there. And they just kept adding jokes in various parts, regardless of what the tone of the movie was at times. I mean, yeah. I mean, and even just looking at like, you know, like the goats, you know, I, I hated the goats. Like those, what's that? I hated the goats. I didn't hate them. I feel like you did a good job of like cutting off, cutting them off just as they were sparked to get annoying. But I almost think they would have been better had they just been played straight as like instead of being these silly, goofy, screaming goats. If they had just been played as like maybe these badass, like, you know, holy crap, those are Thor's goats. They're awesome. Which is kind of, I think, how, you know, when they show up in the comics is how they are. Is they're just these 
you know, they run into battle and they fight and they kick ass, which I think if they had been that, I think they would have been, would have been a lot cooler. Like I didn't mind them as much as some people, but I think had you played them as like more of these strong, tough, you know, fighting things, it would have been a lot more palatable and a lot, you know, gone over well with most people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's going back to that doses thing where sometimes something, all it takes is just a certain amount of subtlety. Going back to that vision comment, I think in small doses, vision works perfectly fine. Too much, I get bored. The goats, same sort of thing. Like after like the seventh time of them bleeding loudly, it's like, all right, I kind of get it. Ha ha ha. But I mean, you know, focusing more on some positives, I at least do like how it focused, I think, on why Jane and Thor's relationship failed versus just a throwaway line kind of in Ragnarok where, oh, Jane dumped you. At least, you know, it explains, you know, again, it's it's good when you have moments when you can actually build character development. Hey, these, this is who these people are. This is why they're acting the way they are and how it infa- impacts and affects everything at that point. You know, so I thought that was good. But my detraction I mentioned earlier, really, it just felt like Valkyrie was just a background character who was just sitting there for the sake of being there for the most part. And that, I think, kind of frustrated me in some ways. But I think pinballing back into the positive side itself, I do think there was a good amount of, like, again, I think some of the cosmic stuff that they're trying to do, I think, is good. But I think... You know, I just wish there was maybe, again, how does this tie into everything else? I think that's the problem is I feel that Marvel has kind of conditioned us. Like, everything's building up to something. If I look at the phases of this movie, you know, phases of Phase 4, you know, you go from, like, you know, uh, you know, Black Widow as an example, all right? And then you, you feed Black Widow and you go into, let's say, a lot of the Marvel series and then you have... Spider-Man, you're talking Doctor Strange, you're talking Shang-Chi, you're talking the Eternals. They're really just kind of all over the place. Some of them have that cosmic theme, but like then you have those weird outliers as an example. So I think that's a hard thing right there is that I think mentally we're always looking for what what's in the next big thing, what's this building on. And it's not a bad thing, I think, to have a standalone movie like this. I think it's just kind of – I think it's weird because I don't – Nothing seems to match or connect up at this point. What seems to be happening? Yeah, um, and we can touch on the yeah, the big phase force. If I did want to mention too, I did think like when we were talking about good things, I felt that they handled the whole cancer thing with Jane Jane well. Because um, I think it would have been in the, especially in this world and where he went to a place where you get to make wishes, which that's another maybe nitpick in a minute. But I felt like. Having her actually, you know, lose her battle of cancer was a bit more realistic than like, you know, having something, you know, like he was in a place where he gets to make a wish. Why didn't he just go over there and wish away her cancer or something like that? Or, or you know, something like that. I feel like there were a lot of outs they could have where they could have, you know, gotten rid of her cancer one way or another and have it actually play out more realistically, I think, instead of giving her this big happy ending that maybe is what <clears throat> some people have expected. I kind of thought that was an interesting way for them to take it and not necessarily what I was expecting. Um so I did like that, even though, like I said, it was kind of odd that he was in a place where he gets to make one wish. I don't know, like, did since Gore made his wish, does that mean it's gone forever and now nobody can ever do it again? But who knows? That's, um, that seems weird that a character named Eternity, who's around forever, can only grant one wish. Yes, exactly. Choose wisely, damn it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, what else do we want to say about this, or do we want to move into some, some Phase 4 stuff? Uh, a few other, I think, weird notes, I think, on there. Um 
you know, I think it's interesting, like the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy are definitely kind of become more of those auxiliary characters and they have their own movie coming up. Kind of thing it's weird that, you know, the whole Gamora thing's been dropped since like Endgame where she's just kind of gone and like, eh, she's kind of gone. You know, nobody really minds on that. Um, if I had a biggest of nitpick, John, it would be that there was four Guns N' Roses songs played. One of them, though, that was played that is not from Appetite from Destruction was uh, November Rain. And I feel that's one of the most overrated Guns N' Roses songs. Why couldn't they just kept all of the songs from uh, Appetite from Destruction? I, I feel that that was just... They could have put Mr. Brownstone in there. <laughs> <laughs> put Rocket Queen in there. But Yeah, you're, you're not wrong, though. November Rain is kind of... It's, it's good, but it's definitely overrated and got way overplayed back in the day. No, and November Rain was like when, I think, Axl Rose, when like in this pure masturbatory phase of like, I'm going to do these epic songs, and it's like, dude, just be a fucking rock band. Just do rock music. Yeah. Don't worry about like trying to make these weird opera things or all the, the Use Your Illusion albums I could talk about forever because of how strange or weird those albums are, but... Yeah. They are bizarre. Maybe that could be another episode. We're due for a music episode. Yeah, we are. Or There's a lot of episodes we're due for, John, that we really haven't been in. Uh, what What were your thoughts on Russell Crowe's Zeus? I've already kind of said a little about it. Um, In the end, I didn't really care for it. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't enough to make me, like, cringe, but it was darn close. I mean, it was, you know... Especially if Zeus was kind of just this callous, like I, you know, for being a god. I mean, it almost, it almost kind of made you sympathize more with Gore. Like, you know, he's right; these guys are dicks. Maybe he should just murder them all because fuck these guys. They don't care about anybody. I mean, yeah, he just, he, you know, his portrayal was fine, but I don't know. What you needed Russell Crowe for that. You probably could have gotten somebody else to, you know. But I mean, I suppose you know, hey, you got Russell Crowe. Great. It was, yeah, it, it was there, kind of ultimately forgettable, I suppose. I, I think that's where, yeah, if you would have had Gore actually kill a few more gods, hell, had you even had, yeah, Gore kill Zeus, then, yeah, that would have had a much bigger impact, I think, at least in the stakes of the movie. But otherwise, oh, we're going to kill all the gods. Yeah, you could do that. I Okay, have fun with that. And that Thor, though. Yeah, Don't like, kill I mean, Thor. But, yeah, kill everyone else. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's not like the gods have really ever been shown to do anything. So, I mean, I suppose it's like killing all the gods is a bad thing just because you're killing a bunch of people, technically. I mean, people, quote unquote, but, you know, it doesn't really mean anything bad would necessarily happen. Hey, a few other weird things in terms of just moments are in the movie where it just seemed odd. Um, one, so in the beginning, when uh, Gore is going through the desert with his daughter, I, I was I'm trying to remember how this occurred, but. Wasn't it like when she like was almost dying, she goes to Gore and says, I'm dying, and then dies? Did what did she say? Maybe I don't I don't remember exactly. What did she say before dying? It was something like it felt so on the nose, like time to die now. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what? Okay. Uh. <laughs> right. I, I thought that was kind of weird. But yeah, I I don't know. I feel it definitely I've been I don't know if this is just grumpy me right now. I feel I'm like griping more about the movie. And as I said, I think it's an okay movie. This isn't a movie I think I would actively rewatch. This definitely feels more like it's kind of a background MCU movie for me where I kinda have it on, but I don't need to focus on it. You kinda laugh at the parts where the jokes did laugh and kind of ignore the other parts on there. But I mean <sighs> moving this I into maybe more of a Phase four topic, I guess, at this point. So, going movie by movie at this point. Uh, Black Widow. 
rewatchable. Mm, I mean, my family likes it. I'm not a huge fan of it. You know, like, I mean, if they're watching it, I'll probably, you know, maybe do something else at the same time and look up at certain points. But it was, you know, eh. Yeah, I kind of along the same lines there. That's in my bottom half, I feel, of MC movies. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Shang-Chi, rewatchable? Shang-Chi, I really liked. That is one I will definitely rewatch. Um, and if it wasn't in the same phase here as, like, Multiverse of Madness and No Way Home, it, 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 was, it was pretty darn good. Like, probably one of the better ones in quite, you know, if you take out, like, Endgame and Infinity War, one of the best ones we've had in quite a while. I'll say this. I like Shang-Chi. I think Shang-Chi did a good job of being a standalone movie in an actual true sense. And I think maybe that's part of the problem that uh, Love and Thunder has is since it's the fourth installment of Thor movies, we've been with this character so long. I think it's almost hard for it to be a standalone movie when you have it recurring. But I think Shang-Chi, yeah, great. I would love rewatching that one. I thought that, you know, visually it was a great movie. Cinetop, you know, cinematography on it was great. I could even stand Aquafina, you know, even though she can be a little grating at times. Yeah. I don't think she was that bad in it. Um, yeah, and I feel, yeah, and I feel it did it did the origin story. I think without making it this tedious slog like a lot of origin stories tend to be. Uh, Spider Man: No Way Home. Um, yeah, needless to say, that was that was pretty damn good. Um, I don't know if I liked it more than Multiverse of Madness or not, but it was obviously pretty damned amazing. You know, pun intended. I think Spider-Man No Way Home definitely had much more, I think, emotional gravity to it and much more character development in it than, let's say, some of the other ones. But I would say definitely it goes into that near top five, you know, MCU movie, you know, echelon at this point in my eyes. Um, uh, Multiverse of Madness. Um, Same thing. I think it's right up there, you know, probably top five for me with, you know, the Marvel movies. Um Again, not sure if I like that or Spider-Man more, but it was just excellent. I haven't rewatched it yet, although it's out on Disney Plus now, so I'm going to have to go make sure I check that out sometime coming up here because uh, I thought it was amazing and excellent. Good Sam Raimi stuff, good Marvel stuff all around. I, I think I think it almost I will parallel that to Love and Thunder where you can see the Sam Raimi hallmark moments where there's some of those like moments of humor I think he definitely did a much better job of showing restraint. I think the only moment of restraint I didn't see in Multiverse of Madness was the Pizza Papa thing. That was one of those things I still like. Yeah, eh, that kind of just felt really shoehorned in and out of place. But yeah, definitely, I think a good rewatchable movie. Uh, I almost skipped over the Eternals, and I think yeah, we, but, yeah, I we, we we can just keep skipping over the Eternals. That's not one I ever feel I need to spend two hours and forty five minutes watching again. Yeah, I mean, I would, it's, like we said, I think when we talked about it before, it was fine. I think it would have been better off as a Disney Plus series where you can give it the time to breathe that it needed. I think it just it had too much to do. It wasn't bad, but I think I'm I'm more looking forward to Eternals 2 than I am rewatching that one, I think. Now, I'm trying to remember, what is the next Marvel movie? Is it, is it uh, Guardians it's, of the Galaxy or is it Ant-Man? I think it's it might be Ant Man actually. I know I know we get like that Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas, special, but I want to say it was something later this year yet, even in the theaters though. Yeah, is maybe. it Wakanda? Does Wakanda does Black Panther come out this year? <sighs> yeah, it's Ant Man, Wakanda Forever. Only, only I was sitting in front of my computer 
Or you could just Google it. If only like your voice would keep quit getting garbled and messed up right now. God dang it. Yeah, yeah supposedly that comes out November 11th. Hmm. All right. Wait, that's Wakanda Forever or Ant-Man? Yes, Wakanda Forever. All right. Is November 11th. Let's see. Ant-Man and Wasp is... Probably is that coming May, out? I'm guessing. February 2023. All right. So I assume the first one after, after Black Panther. I assume Guardians will be the summer movie for them then. Yeah, I think Guardians is supposed to be May or June or something like that. Wait, Jim Carrey's in Ant-Man Quantum Mania? What the hell? Oh, nobody ruins things like Jim Carrey. And Bill Murray? Wait, what? What, what site are you using? Know. Are you I'm like just going... on Google. I, go- I Googled Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania, and there's like the, you know, they've got that cast list, like the bar. And Jim Carrey's there. Bill Murray's on there. Paul Rudd, of course. Evangeline Lilly, of course. Catherine Newton, whoever she is. Yeah, that's odd. Mm. I wonder if that's like some kind of weird Google glitch of some sort. Way to spoil the movie, Google. <laughs> that Jim Carrey cameo. Actually, the cameo would be great if they shrunk Jim Carrey and somebody stepped on him. That would be kind of amazing. It would be, yeah. Right. Well, anything else we need to talk about, Thor? No, I think we've said it, you know, like, like we've mentioned, like it, probably sounds like we're bagging on it and we don't like it it's definitely good i liked it i enjoyed it but i think it could have been i think maybe that's the problem is it had a lot more potential that could have been realized that just wasn't i think that's kind of it's more disappointing that it didn't realize that potential that it could have had like this could have been an amazing top tier you know top five marvel movie for us and instead it was just like eh, it was fine which kind of makes it, i think more disappointing for us than it actually was you know seem like but it is good and you should definitely go check it out and see it if you haven't yet or just wait two months and it'll be probably on disney plus yeah i'm guessing before definitely by fall time like definitely by september but possibly even like end of august maybe we'll see Mm -hmm. yeah cool hey great we're back for an episode turns out we were being pretty jaded about it this is, I think, the both first episode that both of us dropped an F-bomb in the same episode. We don't usually swear as much anymore in episodes, so for both of us to actually swear in an episode, uh, this episode's now a collector's item. Hooray! Fuck yeah. Collect all one editions. Yes. <laughs> actually, I'm doing this wrong. There's unique versions each time you listen. Just keep listening over and over and yes. over again. It's also going to be an NFT, everybody. Collect them all. Oh, NFTs. <laughs> Gross. Well, I'd like to thank you for joining us. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Spragle. I am the other host, John Lundquist, still. Garbled as always. And we will oh, see yeah. you next time. Thank you. Yes, everybody. Have a good one.